Good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing well? Everybody get through this week okay? Yeah, school going well for all you kids? No, because it's school? Yeah, right, right. School going well for all of you parents? Woo, right? Oh. Hmm. I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, thank you so much for being here, everybody on Facebook. Thank you for connecting up and joining in. To get started today, uh, we're going to be in three passages, so I want to give those to you ahead of time so that basically we're going to be bouncing around between all three of those passages. So if you want to dog ear your Bible, if you want to tear off paper from something and stick it in, in each of the places, however you want to do that, we're going to be in Romans 12. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to be in Ephesians 4. So I'll give you a minute to kind of get situated in all of that. And if you are taking notes, I will do my best to give you the note uh, points um, verbally. I'm not putting anything up on the screen. And as always, if you want my notes... After the service, just shoot me an email, spelt85 at gmail, and um, I will float you a copy of my notes, so you can have those too. So there you have it. Let's get rolling. Get my home screen to pop up my notes. There we go. Follow along with me as we actually read in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 5. Romans 12, verses 3 through 5. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that the word, Jesus Christ, was made flesh and hung out with us so that we could see the perfect example. Jesus, we thank you for the plan that was implemented and was completed and is being completed and will be completed. That is salvation. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for comforting, for counseling, and for challenging us to be more like the head of the church, Jesus Christ. So we ask right now that our time together spent would be, would be one of worship that is only a blessing in your sight, Jesus. That our sacrifice would be acceptable and pleasing. Holy Spirit, use the word to change us in making us more clear pictures and image of Jesus Christ. 
And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So we are in an identity series. Not that we have an identity crisis, but I really do think the church has an identity crisis. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways we have um, gone away from really truly what it is to be Christ followers. And um, so this series I think is very timely. I think it's timely for our church. I think it's timely for the church. And so today we're going to dig in and get uh, a deeper understanding of the metaphor that is used in these passages about us as a physical presence being the body of Christ. So that's where we're headed today. That's the big picture. And with that, we'll get rolling. So um, being a member of the body of Christ is, is really sometimes it can be very simple. Oh, we're all members of the body of Christ, but yet it can be very complex um, because the, the body system is a very complex system. So my first point that I want to, to give to you is all Christ followers are members. If you call yourself a Christ follower because you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and you are working your salvation out with fear and trembling in that journey of sanctification, looking for that glorious day when we get to spend eternity in heaven, then you are a member of the body of Christ, and there are no outs on that. Um, if we look at Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, it says this point, though many, we are one body. And individually members of one another. That, that, that phrase right there, that last part of that phrase, really has, has got me kind of um, conflicted. Listen to what it says. And individually members of one another. So not only are all of us as Christ followers members Uniquely because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are now literally, in the spiritual sense, individually, each and every one of us that call ourselves Christ followers, we are now members of one another. Members one of another. We are, there, there's, spiritually when, 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 when the church is seen, when, when the body of Christ is seen, it is seen as one complete member. We, we are completely interwoven spiritually to be one. And as Christ followers, we don't get an out on that. I know that, that, that some churches have interesting um, dynamics when they, when they call people members. I know that growing up, in um, the church that, that my father was a pastor of and my brother is still part of that denomination and is, and is in ministry down in, in Florida. To be a member of their church, all you have to be is a Christian six months or longer and been in the church six months or longer and then magically poof, you're a member of the church. We, we take a very different stand on that that we make the understanding that as Christ followers, we covenant 
to be in membership, and, and we actually formally go through that process of saying, we want to publicly identify that this local expression of the body of Christ, we are members of that. And, and, and so we encourage everyone who are Christ followers that are actively engaged in this local ministry to say, I want to make that public expression that I am in membership with this local body. I think that's a very, very important component to consistency in seeing what the body of Christ looks like. But regardless of all of that, the, the mystery still holds true that, that in, in, in God's eyes, when he sees the manifestation of the body of Jesus Christ, he sees one. Individually, we are members one of another. That, that just really kind of hit me hard because I go, wow. As I look out and I see all my friends and all my family in this local expression of the body of faith, we're one. We are one of another. There is, there is no distinction. There, there's, there's no separation. We are all one. And if you are a Christ follower, you are one of those members. And that, to me, just is very powerful. So take that as the first point. Um, it goes on to say in Ephesians 4, verse 4, listen to this. There is one body and one spirit. So how many bodies of Christ are there? One. So when I look at this church, this is the body of Christ. But how can it be when there's another church just down the road? Well, because they are the body of Christ. They are. So are we. Because there is a local expression of the body of Christ, and there is a universal expression of the body of Christ. And I think that the best description that I can give and the best way I can do that is, is saying, when you look at the last part, it says, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling. So because I can't be everywhere else, I don't get that option, right? But I am called to, to that one hope. And what is that one hope? When, when we press that out, what, what, what is Paul talking about in Ephesians, the one hope? Does anybody know? Just, just throw that out. This is discussion time. What's our one hope? Who said it? <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. Our one hope is that Jesus Christ is who Jesus Christ said he was going to be. It is our faith. It is our hope because our hope is eternity with God Almighty. And so we all have individually been called to that one hope. So even though that there is this understanding that there is the universal church, I cannot be universally all over the place. I can only be here. So for me, my understanding on that then is this. This is where God has called me to be, and it is my calling, and so therefore, this is the church. So, if you're a Christ follower, you are a member. It's not an out. There, there's, no, there's no excuses. 
to not be anything other than that, to understand and wrap your brain around that, that when you are in that local expression, you are a member of every other person in this body. You are a member. Point number two. All members are highly valued. I need you to soak on that for just a minute. All members are highly valued. Romans 12.3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. How do I, how do I reconcile that passage with my point that says all members are highly valued? Because if everyone is not thinking of themselves as being the end-all, be-all, everybody's thinking rightly. Does that make sense? I shouldn't think of myself as more important. I shouldn't think of myself as more capable. I shouldn't think of myself as more special. I should think of myself with sobriety in going, I am a member of of the body of Christ. All should be thinking that way. Turn with me, if you would, then. We're going we're gonna to break this down a little bit more about understanding the high value of, of being a member. Let's, let's go to uh, the passage in Corinthians. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Did anybody notice what I just did? Or were you all busy looking down? I'm looking for my glasses. My kids at school, they're, they're like, they're on your head. And then, then I go to reach for them on my head, and one kid goes, they're on your back. Because sometimes I'll, I'll stick them back here so they're out of the way. If they're not connected, I've lost them. It's embarrassing. How many of you are in that boat? You're, you're, you're aging yourself. These are highly valuable. They came from this really, really high-end store called the Dollar General. Because it's the general. Forget that, okay? So if I, if I lose them, I know where to find another pair. Um, so, so this whole passage um, in, Rome, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, really 12 through 26, talks about this whole one body with many members. And um, so when, when I take that first passage in Ephesians that's talking about each one of us should really not think more highly of ourselves, okay? That's the opposite view on... on on really being inflated. Guys know what I'm talking about when I say we're, we're inflated. We, we think way too much of ourselves, okay? But I think we find ourselves in the church subtly doing that. I think sometimes in the church we kind of go, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm the stuff. So, so let's parse that out really with what, with what it's talking about in Corinthians here. And um, go to verse 14. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The foot should say, if the foot should say, eh, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. This is now the opposite of the understanding. Where, where one might be arrogant in its thinking, that's right, baby, I'm the hand. Not only that, I'm the left hand, because left-handers rock. How many of you are left-handed? 
All right, one, two, three of us. All right, we got to hang in there together. We're, we're the left-handers. Woohoo! But 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 the foot shouldn't say, well, because I'm not the hand, I don't count. There's the opposite of this passage in Ephesians, where where Paul says in Ephesians not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Corinthians is saying, quit being a whiny baby and and knocking yourself down and being deflated. That would make it, keep, keep moving on there, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. Look what he says, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? But as it is, look what it says. Look what it says. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. That's very significant when I look at this local expression of the body. You are here not by accident. Did you catch that? As a member of the local expression of the body of Jesus Christ, you are not here by accident. That should automatically, in your mind, increase the value of you. You're not here by accident. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The foot is just as valuable as the hand. Here are some points. Everyone in the body of Christ is equal in value, in responsibility, and respect. Every one of you, as a member of the body of Christ, in this local expression, we should see ourselves. So, so I love y'all, okay? I want you to know that. And, and my wife's watching on Facebook today. I'm trying to be nice, okay? I know I can tend to come off as being a little... Um, like a bulldog, and, and kind of go after y'all, it's because I love you, okay? As we parse this out, this is literally that mirror for all of us today. We need to be taking a hard look at ourselves, and we need to be taking a hard look at us as the body of Christ, Okay? Everyone is equal in value, responsibility, and respect. So here's the question. What if there is one here among us that says, I don't feel respected? I don't feel equal. Is that their problem or is that our problem? Do you hear? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
and as, and as we keep going, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pick up on some of the themes that are, that are going with this, but I'm going to just throw this out for just a second. If you don't know, it's because we're not in right relationship. So being a part of the body, it, we're, we're going to, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the word relationship, keep that mulling around in the back of your mind as we go through this. Everyone is equal in value, responsibility, and respect. Everyone So my heart is heavy if there is anyone who does not feel that way. Are, are we tracking? Number two, every ministry is important and deserves our best stewardship. Every ministry Every ministry is important and deserves our best stewardship. We're going to jump into ministry towards the end, so I'm going to let you hang on that for just a few minutes. But remember how I said in, in earlier that, that, one, that one phrase there, that how have we been picked here? Every member of the body has been chosen by God. So this unique membership right here is not a surprise to God. It was a plan by God and therefore should be stewards. So every ministry, everything that we're doing deserves the very best that we have to offer. And what you have to offer is what God has given you because you're not a mistake. You're not a surprise. God has chosen you for such a time as this, for such a place of this, as this, to be a part of this local expression of the body of Jesus Christ. And he has made you for a very, very, very specific purpose. Your time, your talent, your treasures. All because you have been given skills, abilities, talents, possessions, convictions. All of those are because God has done that. You are uniquely created by Jesus Christ. And so you as an individual are specifically placed for a reason in the body. To me, that's a very, very high value. So you as members, high value. All of our ministries, high value. Every ministry, every ministry has the opportunity to be a connection component to deeper relationship and community. Did you catch that? Every ministry has the opportunity to create deeper connection, deeper relationship in the body of Christ. Relationships should be very intentional. If you're hanging out in the coffee area, Greg, 
that's a connection component that should be building deep relationship. There's a community within the community. There, there's, there's a unique structure where everything that makes the hand is working together as part of the body. So there's a connection and a relationship within unique ministry constructs that we have going on that should be building intentionally deep, authentic relationships and community to, to the bigger body. Okay? Every one of those ministries should be doing that. So again, we're holding the mirror up to ourselves here at the Grove. Number three. Number three. There is a danger in being dysfunctional. There is a danger in being dysfunctional. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same what? Got it? Function. The word function, there is the root in the word dysfunction. So what does dysfunction mean, y'all? Any of my grammar Nazis? What is dysfunction? It is not functioning right. It is not functioning well. So, so first of all, we have to understand that within the body of Christ, we do not all have the same function. Moving on to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 24. See how I'm bouncing around? You need to track and follow with me because, because this is all working together in its description and its understanding. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 24b. But God, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may what? No division. That there may be no division. Again, all I'm asking you to do is soak on those words because I didn't say it. There should be no division. Would you agree with me that dysfunction is going to have division? Division is going to be dysfunctional. Ephesians 4.16 says, For from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, this next part, when each part is working how? Properly. So, so body... There is a real danger of dysfunction. I'm going to step back from scripture right now and, and, and give you a little bit of my story. And, and I only say this not, not to boast, but to give a little bit more context. Okay? I am 53 years old. Wait, stop. Look at me. I am 53 years old. 
you're all supposed to go, no, what? Thank you. Jovi's my favorite. No. I, I teed that one up though, didn't I? Yeah. I'm 53 years old. My father retired in 2004 as a senior pastor of a church that he pastored from 76 and in, um, it would have been, no, in, in 77, from 77 to 2004 was in one ministry footprint. Praise God. We don't, we don't see that very often anymore. I was part of that ministry footprint. Um, by the time I was a junior in high school, I was teaching the Sunday school class for the youth group. I was leading the youth choir that we had. We would take summer choir trips. So anybody on Facebook that may be part of the old Kettering First Church of God will remember all the youth trips. And yes, I did some of the things that I did, and I may be notorious for it, but we all survived. Stories later on. I... I, I when Christy and I got married, we started attending um, Hillside Chapel, which is part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and I was actively engaged in ministry there for 15 years, became a deacon, became an elder, and then eventually went on staff. Left and went down to Alabama and was on staff in senior ministry there for five years, and then came here and have been actively engaged here. I've been around the church, Okay. I've seen the church. I've seen the church at its best. I've seen the church at its worst. Remember I told you my dad successfully had a ministry footprint from 77 to 2004. Before that, he started in 72 as a, as a real young man. <clears throat> it was a nasty, nasty church split. Praise the Lord many, many years later that that split, there, were, there was uh, reconciliation among a lot of them. My dad got to see that come to fruition before many of those, those people either passed on or, or whatever. So, so God is good, but there was a split, and then from 77 to 2004, I've seen the bad. As a matter of fact, I saw the bad so much that I promised myself I'd never go into ministry, period. It's like, that's what it's like. I ain't doing that. So I've been around the church. I've seen it. I've seen it on the inside. So, so when I talk about this stuff it's not that I'm saying this is happening at the Grove. I'm saying I've seen it. When I was on staff down in Alabama, I was part of what was called DEXCOM, which is the District Executive Committee. So I was more or less like an overseeing elder of a group of guys overseeing all of the ministries in the Southern District. Saw a lot of stuff happening. So when I say all of this coming up, it, it's, that I, it's that I've been there, done that. I've seen it. And I, and I want to guard and protect the church. Please understand that because dysfunctionality is, is rampant <clears throat> in so many areas, not just the church, in so many areas, we see families that are dysfunctional, amen? Here's one thing that I want you to understand. No one person is any more or less important than anyone else in the body of Christ. Okay? Okay? I have seen churches where, where on the back of their cars for their um, pastor's wives, they have first lady of blah, blah, blah church. 
because she's the first lady of the church? No, you are a member of the church. No one person in this body is no more or no less important than anyone else. Number two. Therefore, everyone, and I mean everyone, has something to contribute, has an equal responsibility even though the roles are different, and is expected to be active stewards in what God has blessed them with. Let me give you my evidences of what I think dysfunctionality looks like in the church. Again, this is because I've been there, done that. I've seen it. I've seen it since I was a very young man all the way up to where we are today. I'm not saying all of this is in our church. I'm not saying any of this is in our church. I'm just saying let's take a look at ourselves with sobriety, okay? Number one, dysfunctionality number one in the church, the 80-20 rule. 80% 80% of all the ministry is done by 20% of the, of the people. That's dysfunctional. That's dysfunctional. And, and this is nothing new. This is nothing new. There's a lot of people that, that have a lot of energy that get in and dig in there and do it. But it's the same 20% doing everything. 80-20 rule. That is dysfunctional. Number two. The enemy of the great is what? Does anybody know what the enemy of the great is? The enemy of the great is always the good. Because some of you are like, what do you mean by that? Let me explain what I mean by that. I love Matt. He's on a well-deserved little break right now. Matt and I have had a lot of honest conversations. We are blessed that consistently, as one of the teaching elders, Matt is by far one of the better teachers that I've been around. Okay? Matt does a lot. And you know what happens? Matt's good. Matt's good at admin stuff. Matt's good at tinkering around with things. Matt's good at this. Matt's good at that. Matt's good at this. Matt's good at that. Matt's good at this. Matt's good at that. If Matt's good at a ton of stuff, guess what happens to the things that he really should be great at? It's also good. It's called mediocrity. And I think that we find ourselves in so many ways doing so many things good that the one or maybe two things that we have the opportunity to really be excellent in becomes just another thing that's good. And I've talked with Matt. And I've said, Matt, I expect you to be an excellent teacher. And you know what he said? I've spent so much time this week dealing with this, dealing with this, dealing with this, dealing with this, that my teaching has just become another thing I'm dealing with. should not be. So 
So in our lives as the body of Christ, the enemy of the great is always the good. If you got too many irons in the fire and you're only really sort of good at all of them, you might want to recheck your priorities. Because what I'd love to see is everybody being excellent at one or two things. And this is going to kind of parse itself out. You'll, You'll get it as we move along. Dysfunction number three, hands being feet. Hands being feet, dysfunction number three. Hands do not do what feet are supposed to do. Did you catch that? Hands should not run a marathon. Feet should run a marathon. Where's Greg Greg Burgess? I love you, Greg. Even though you've got a, what's that weird hat you've got on? Is that, is that distorted? It should say New York Yankees. But anyway, I digress. Y'all, I love music. Perry, you know me. I love music. I am a closet drum junkie. I'm serious. They ain't nothing better than an incredibly good drummer. I have those dreams in the car when a good song is going on. I've got all body parts working. Mm. I suck at rhythm. Not only do I suck at rhythm, I don't have the coordination to keep this going like this and this going. See, I can't do it. I was trying to do the... See, did you see it? I can't do it. I'm so, oh my gosh, you're a rock star, literally and figuratively. You don't want me playing the drums on Sunday morning. If you see me back there, have an intervention, okay? I think that sometimes we find ourselves going, man, I'd really love to do this. I'd really love to do that. But if you stink at it, don't do it. Do what you're good at. Hands need to do what hands do. And that's okay. Feet need to do what feet do. Elbows need to do what elbows do because we're still working together. So if you're a hand, be a good hand. Be a great hand. And don't go sticking your hand where feet go. Just don't do it. Celebrate what the feet do and go, man, that is so awesome. I'm so glad you're a great drummer. That is an excellent ministry. Thank you for your service. But don't Put me back behind there. Okay? So along with that is, is that there's, there's also a subtle understanding with, again, well, I mean, he's an awesome drummer. I stink. I'm no good. I'm nothing. We don't need to have ministry jealousy. All right? Not all of us have the same function. So jealousy of other people's ministry is dangerous. Let's not do that. Let's celebrate what others do well and encourage them to be great at it while us finding what it is that we're great at because God has called us to do that and go do that. If that means being part of the hand and you're a pinky, go be great. Next dysfunctional thing that I have seen 
is the opposite of the hand being the foot is that the hand is paralyzed. It is dead weight on the body. That ought not be in the church. Again, how effective is a quarterback on a football team with a paralyzed hand? It's not going to work. So it is in the church. We have a lot of people in a lot of churches that are paralyzed. They are limp and do nothing. This ought not be. Again, when I go back up and says, therefore, everyone has something to contribute, an equal responsibility, even though the roles are different, and is expected to be active stewards. Everyone should be, must be engaged in ministry. I'm just, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. Everyone. Next one that I think is a dangerous dysfunction in the church, and that is padlocks on the playground. I spend hours coming up with these, by the way. Padlocks on the playground. How many of you ever wanted to go to a park and there's a padlock on it? You're like, dang, man, I can't go play on that one today. Or what's worse is when, when you go to the playground, and this goes back to fourth grade days, all right? go out on the playground and you got three or four people and they have they have occupied the slide and nobody is on the slide today because buddy coombs is on the slide and nobody goes on the slide when buddy coombs is on the slide you didn't know i had a deep voice did you I think we find ourselves sometimes in ministry wanting to have this exclusive little group and this part of the playground is off limits. You don't get to play on that playground. This is our ministry. You can watch, but we've created our little thing. So it's kind of the opposite of the hands being the feet. It's that the hands only want to play on the same playground with the hands and nobody else is allowed to play even though that there may be other aspects to that particular ministry that could utilize somebody else like you. Make sense? So in the church, we should not be padlocking our different ministries and saying, oh, you can't play here. Mm, sorry, we've already got too many. You can't play here. Going to go play on a kick, kickball? Oh, we've already chosen teams. You can't play today. Walk on off and go skip jump for it by yourself that's not that's not cool so we need to not have padlocks on the playground next dysfunction is there are the seven most dangerous words in the church do you know what they are we never did it that way bef before there's seven i've counted them seven most dangerous words in a church is we never did it that way before our ministry should be very dynamic, okay? And I think going along with the padlocks being locked is that we can find ourselves going, well, this is the way we do this ministry, and we're not changing it. It's dangerous. 
Well, we never did it that way before. Oh, okay. There's a ministry that, that I was working to try to create some paradigms with, and um, they had a musical part of, of this weekend ministry that they were doing, and all of their songs... I just said the 80s called They Want Their Stuff Back. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? The 80s called. It's time to let some of that go. All right? Seven most dangerous words in the church is very much appropriate to what we do in ministry here. Ministry should be dynamic. It should be changing. There's nothing wrong with change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it's time for change, change is good. Does that make sense? So we need to guard against the, the fact that, that, that we're holding on so tightly to the things that we may do and the way that we may do them because that's the way we've always done it. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous dysfunction. And then this next dysfunction. There's no I in team. This is my ministry. I'm doing it. Nobody else is doing it with me. This is, this is my ministry. There's no I in team. There's no I in team. And then the next dysfunction that I see kind of go hand in hand with that one is it's my way or the highway, right? It's my way or the highway. How I say ministry is supposed to go is the way it's supposed to go. I say we lead with open hands, church. When it is working properly, we should be able to go, you know what? This, this is God's ministry. This is the church. If there's a better way to be doing something, then, then great. Here's what I have to offer. What do you think? Here's what I think we should do. What do you think? Lead with open hands. Minister with open hands. If there's a better way to do something, praise the Lord, right? If it happens to be my way, oh, okay. I'm not thinking more highly of myself. Ha, I'm a ministry genius. No. We're part of ministry. We're part of the body. We don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but we also shouldn't, again, put a stranglehold on everything going on because it's my way or the highway. This is my ministry. I started it with my family back in 1864, and by golly, we're going to keep doing it the same way we've always done it. It's my way or the highway. It's a dangerous dysfunction in the church. And then the last one that I see happening that's a dysfunction is we don't develop. There's no ministry development. We are not bringing people along with us and teaching them and training them and encouraging them to go be leaders. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to hold on to it. We're going to keep doing it. Well, you can, you can come in and you can be part of it, but I am not going to train you and develop you and grow you in that ministry. That is a dangerous dysfunction in the church. Does anybody, and, I, and I'm opening myself up, does anybody have any that they've noticed or thought or seen in their, in their life that they go, yeah, this is also a dysfunction that I've noticed? Anyone? Real quick. Anybody want to share one? Okay, I'm sure there are more. I just want to throw that out there to you, but yeah. Um, any questions so far? Again, want to throw this out? Any questions that, that, that you have on any of this? Okay. Uh, 
whew, we, we, we got through that. I hope this has been one of those that you kind of go, wow, this is a mirror. This is a mirror for me. This is a mirror for the church. Okay, but now let's move on. So number four. Now that we've rooted all of that out, we've exposed all of that, we've ripped the Band-Aid off of that, let's move forward. Point number four. We are unified in purpose, plan, and promise. Go with me to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse one, we're going to find the purpose. We have a purpose for being the body. It says, I therefore, at verse 1 of, of, of Ephesians 4, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, here's your purpose, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's really kind of our purpose, that we are unified in the bond of peace through the Holy Spirit. We are, that's our purpose, to be unified, to be the church. As individual members, if we are inextricably bound, we are stuck with each other. And that's a good thing. We should be so unified through the work of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. That is that beautiful relationship with God Almighty that no matter what's going on around us, we're at peace. Chaos could be going on all around us and we could be going, we're at peace. The body of Jesus Christ is at peace. That's our purpose. Unity with peace through the Holy Spirit. And then, and then skip down, because th th there's great stuff in there, but it goes on to say at verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, and this is what he gave. And here's part of the plan working itself out. We are unified in purpose, we are unified in plan, and we are unified in promise, and it says in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, here we go, here's the plan, to equip the saints, for the work of ministry. Did everybody catch that? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. There's the plan. Very simple phrase, but that is the plan of the church. We should be actively engaged in every ministry that we do to be creating the healthy church. To equip the saints that's us for the work of ministry. Anywhere in there does anyone see where anyone or any ministry gets an out on not being active? No. Oh, you don't understand. I'm a little tired. You don't understand. I'm 53 years old. I've been doing this since I was a junior in high school. I'm done. I'm tired. Y'all do it. I'm just going to sit back for a little while. I'm done. I need a break. There are no breaks in discipleship. There's no retirement clause in discipleship. There's no retirement clause in membership. 
But there's also no excuse for ministries to be stagnant. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is the plan. We are actively engaged in ministry so that our equipping is actively creating ministry. And ministry is within and without. There are only two types of ministry in the church. That is ministry to the body, and then that is ministry that the body is doing to the community. We are ministers within and we are ministers without. In reach and outreach. In growth and outgrowth. Because here's the promise. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for what? For building up the body of Christ. For building up the body of Christ. There's two ways that the body of Christ is built. Do you want to know what they are? The body first is built by becoming strengthened. What you see is getting stronger. Got it? You start working out that bicep, it's going to get stronger. It's going to be more effective. You stretch it on a regular basis, it's going to be more effective. Atrophy, right? No exercise is never, is never good for the body. Does that make sense? But that's only one way of growing the body. So that's the inside of growing the body. The second type of growth that we see in the body is when the body is being added to. It's getting bigger. Same thing. Look at the bicep. Okay? My bicep, Arnold Schwarzenegger's bicep. It wasn't supposed to be funny. Seriously, that... It's a gun. It just may be a 22 caliber, but it's still a gun. Not a BB gun. That's embarrassing. Okay? So not only should we, our ministry be such that we are encouraging strength within the body of Christ, but the result of ministry should also be growing the body of Christ. More people should be becoming part of this body. If this body is not growing numerically, something's wrong with our ministry footprint. And I'm not talking sheep stealing. I'm not talking lateral growth or horizontal growth because, well, they're just not as cool as your church, so we're just going to start going to your church. You're not growing the body of Christ that way. I'm not, a, I'm not about sheep stealing. We should be doing ministry in such a way that we are becoming a stronger, healthier picture. And as a result of that growth, we should be seeing people coming to Christ because of the ministry footprint that we have in this community. It's ministry in reach and it's ministry outreach. That's the only two ways that the body of Christ grows. So we have the purpose we have the plan, and we have the promise that if we are doing everything that the body is supposed to be doing, growth is happening. If growth isn't happening, we need to take a serious look at the church. That's when you either go amen or am I. I don't care which one, but it is the truth. And as we finish today, we move on to the last part of Ephesians chapter 4. Starting at verse 15. 
This is the last point. The healthy body of Christ is identified by Christ's love manifested within itself and outwardly to those not yet members. So as we move on from verses 11 and 12, it goes on to say verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow, again, in reach and outreach. Grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ. What is the identifying factor of the church? Is it us or Christ? From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. There is the plan. When each part is working properly, there's the function. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We had a whole message series on what love looks like, what Christ-like love looks like. So the manifestation of the healthy church is that people are being loved within and without. And ironically, that brings us back to two very simple things that Jesus said. Love one another. As I have loved you by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And go and make disciples. It's the manifestation of love. This church, if it is doing everything it is doing because it is working properly, which means everybody doing it, will be... Jesus Christ being magnified, being glorified, being seen, and his love is real and revelant and, and re, what's the word? Revelant in everything that we do. Relevant. Rev. Revelant. I made up a new word. This is go with it. This is roll with it. Relevant. Real and relevant in everything we do inside the church and within this community that God has planted us in. Amen. Pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for today. This was not easy to talk about. I've struggled with this. And I'm sure that for some people this was not easy to hear. But may Jesus be glorified. May Jesus be made much of. May the word be central in our existence as the church. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the church. We thank you for Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and honor. Amen.